Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. And Andrew, I don't know if I can do this catchphrase justice. Money, 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 money. <laughs> uh, that is a, a quote from the great Mr. Krabs, owner of the Krusty Krab. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, have you seen the YouTube series Binging with Babish? No. Sounds interesting, he, though. He makes food from TV shows. Like, he made the rum ham from It's Always Sunny, and he made uh, <laughs> he makes a bunch of stuff. But the one he did most recently was he made the Krabby Patty from Spongebob. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, here's my theory on what the secret ingredient of the Krabby Patty is. It's nothing. Because Mr. Krabs is such a cheapskate that he would totally just say there's a secret ingredient to create a psychological expectation, but then have it just be nothing. <laughs> but then he puts, um, what is it, MSG, I think? Is that... Mm. That's not like a drug, right? Uh, that's a secret ingredient to most takeout foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, MSG. Yeah, I was. I wanted to make sure I didn't get like confused with MDMA or something. Though that would be a secret ingredient that would have some interesting effects. <laughs> you would if definitely you ate get it. people coming back if there was MDMA in your Chinese food. <laughs> 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 These egg rolls, man, they are trippy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but yeah, that's our catchphrase. What are you drinking, dude? I am drinking coffee. Because uh, it's a little early for you guys. Didn't want you to feel left out with the beer. It is mm. uh, coffee roasted in the Virgin Islands. Ooh. I was just there for my sister's wedding. So, you know, it took some back. Nice. Yeah, you and were down there, weren't you? I was. And because I really wanted to feel the whole vibe of, you know, my sister's wedding and whatever, uh, Laura did the bachelor part, bachelorette party for it. And uh, they got penis straws. And there was there were a few extras, so, so if, if sorry, you just are you using one, you, as I pull the straw, you can catch just a little bit of balls in there, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Oh my god! <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> oh my god! We cannot be the first podcast ever to use like a penis straw in the air, though. That's <laughs> the, that's the, been... the problem. Is the opening on the other side is very small, so I have to. Suck very hard, but let's move on. <laughs> You've got a dick straw, but look what I've got. I have a Sailor Moon mug. <laughs> That's very cool. I've got uh, just some spicy tea from the tea house. I'm, I'm still trying to not drink coffee for uh, a month. 
though I suppose I did tell you that just like this morning, but for our listeners, it's like what a week or two after that. Or so we'll a month see. in the future. Well, actually, I have no idea when these go live. Anyway, so we are doing another episode based around rental properties, which I know Andrew is super chomping at the bit to get into mm-hmm. since what do you own now? 16 rental properties? I a whole wish. fleet. <laughs> so so we got we got three through the end of last year and uh things started to get complicated and so okay. I promised Laura, we well, guess we promised each other that we wouldn't buy one until we tied the knot on our taxes and gotcha. saw and saw what happens because our tax guy was gonna like literally shoot us from all the ridiculous stuff we did with our businesses. But <laughs> that is now taken care of and we are already looking at perhaps Jacksonville, but we can okay. talk about that. So stuff. We, yeah, we can talk about what sort of ammunition your tax guy is going to use on you in a second, but let's introduce <laughs> our guest first. Mm. Uh, so we've got Andy Boyum, who is the director of asset management over at Roofstock. We've talked with the CEO of Roofstock before. I know Andrew, you use Roofstock. So Andy, welcome to the show. Uh, and you, you already know Andrew, right? I do. Yes. Yes. We've, uh, we've met through, uh, through previous encounters via the Roofstock, uh, the, the community. Sweet. Yeah, so um, Andrew, mm. what are we getting into today? Yeah, so one of the my biggest concerns, and before I went with Roofstock, my biggest like uh, pain in the ass was property managers, and we get quite a lot of questions about them. So I really wanted to dig into like how to pick a property manager, maybe even how not to pick a property manager, and like if you even need one. You know, because I think there are people who are skeptical, like, ah, I can do it myself. It's only three hours away. Um, so, Andy, do you need a property manager? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I, we definitely highly recommend a property manager. Um, there is obviously an option to self-manage through the website. Um, that said, when you buy through Roofstock, there is... Um, you know, the option and and kind of the benefit of buying through Roofstock is that we have uh, certified at least two property managers in every market. And these are folks that will, you know, manage your property as if it was your own. Um, we go through a very thorough screening process, a very thorough certification process. Um, these folks are licensed, they're bonded, uh, they have a great track record in every market. Um, and, you know, us at Roofstock, we are, you know, uh, folks such as myself are also investors uh, via the website. And uh, um, we feel comfortable as if they were managing our own homes uh, to be able to recommend them to our investors. Well, you say licensed and bonded. Like, what what does that mean and why should I care? Yeah, I was wondering sure. about that too. Sure. So, so license, so every... In every state, they have different uh, license requirements for property managers. Typically, at the very minimum, uh, they will have to have a have somebody on staff that has a broker's license. So, if you are dealing with the leasing, marketing, and renting and managing of a rental home, you'll have to have somebody on your team that is a broker. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, when a when a property manager is certified through Roofstock. Uh, we also look for various professional licenses through trade organizations such as uh, NARPM, which is the National Association of Residential Property Managers. Uh, there are other groups as well that kind of add a, a level of uh, comfort, um, you know, when we're doing our due diligence on these property managers. 
What does okay. the bonded part mean, though? Is, yeah. Is that like if your property burns down or you, or you get sent to jail or something? No, 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 no. It's 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 more that they have their uh, minimum levels of insurance. Mm. Um, so they have errors and emissions insurance. They have liability insurance, uh, stuff like that. So that if something, you know, in in the less than 1% chance that something goes wrong, something goes sideways, uh, we can make our investors whole. So in gotcha. other words, so it's basically like, <laughs> it's not just like you're letting yeah, your uncle's brother's it, yeah. son like do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what exactly do do they do in particular? And like, is do they just take care of literally everything for you? Or am I still going to have to go out and fix toilets myself? Do they just take care of rent? Like how, what, what exactly is a property manager's role in all this? Sure. So what we look for, and that's a great question. What we look for when we certify a property manager is really an end-to-end -end solution. And so what we mean by that is when a property manager takes over an investor's home, uh, we want them to be able to do the full kind of life cycle of a home. And that includes uh, any upfront work that needs to be done to make it rentable. Um, you know, on Roofstock, most of our homes are already rented, so that's kind of already taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, we want them to be able to market the home through all the traditional channels, uh, you know, Zillow, Redfin, uh, all the uh, other websites. Um, we want them to be able to lease the home. And then once we have a resident moved in, uh, they should be on call for any repairs and maintenance issues, uh, collecting and dispersing rents. Um, and then towards the end of a life cycle, if an investor does decide to sell, uh, they should be able to facilitate that, ideally through, through roof stock. Yeah. So this is a person who isn't just dealing with repairs and stuff for you. They're actually going out and actively trying to get you renters. That's right. Exactly. And, um, you know, a lot of our folks uh, typically rent a home. If you don't have a renter for some period of time, vacancy is always, uh, you know, a small risk. Uh, we want them to be able to be in front of that. Um, so if a renter says, you know, hey, Mr. You know, homeowner, we are going to leave the home at the end of our lease. Uh, within 90 days, we want or 90 days in advance of that lease expiration. We want them to be marketing that home for lease saying coming soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's it'll be available, you know, June 1st or whatever it is. So does that mean that tenants who rent through the property managers you guys work with actually have to provide pretty like 90 days advance notice if they're, they're going to move out at the end of the lease? Yeah, it varies by market, but it's at least okay. 60 days is what yeah, I know it's 60 for me. Yeah, it's at least 60 days. And in some markets, uh, we always request uh, as much notice as possible. Right. But, uh, you know, per law and, and by state, it's at least 60 days. Do you guys keep data on your vacancy rates for the properties you have on Roofstock? We do. Yes. It's uh, it's on average, it's around 5% uh, annualized okay. is the vacancy uh, factor that we do in our underwriting. And, and through our experience with our property managers, that's proven to be about right. Andrew, is that the figure that we use in our tool for the vacancy rate you should expect, or is that actually lower than the normal vacancy rate? Uh, I, I, I forget. think I have uh, just 10% in there. I figure, like, be conservative, and, like, okay. worst case, you just have reserves. So when, like, I don't know, a tree yeah, falls Yeah, because I, I would imagine if you, if you don't have these systems in place with these extremely vetted property managers and these processes for getting advance notice, that it is going to be a little bit higher than what you guys have been able to achieve through putting those things into place. Hmm. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we, we do focus on when we go through the certification process we, is we get 
their um, their historical portfolio performance, not necessarily just folks who have bought through Roofstock, but um, you know, we deal with property managers that have typically thousands of homes under management. So they have a track record that we ask for when we do our underwriting of the property manager. And okay. with that, we're able to understand and, and see uh, just exactly what um, you know their performance has been in terms of many different factors, uh, one of which is is vacancy. You gotcha. Know, we uh, we oh, okay, so I, I have all my properties with a property manager and it sounds like um, they pretty much handle soup to nuts. What are their expectations from the investor? And like, to what level are we needed involved? Like, can we literally so, just buy the home and step away and just say like, yes, 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 an email? So, so yeah, so it, it varies. So every, every homeowner, every property investor has a different um, threshold when they want to be alerted, when they want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I've, I purchased and, and owned through Roofstock as well. Uh, I've set a threshold with my property manager that says, look, I will, you know, I will authorize any repair or maintenance up to a certain dollar amount. Above that amount, please notify me. Mm. We have other investors that say, well, look, if, you know, if, <laughs> if a light bulb is broken, I want you to call me to get authorization. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they can really, it really runs the gamut. Other folks just say, look, give me my yearly tax statement at the end of the year and, and I'm good. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's up to you. It's up to you, the homeowner. They will tailor um, kind of the amount of interaction you have with them uh, to your liking. Yeah, I think I would be as hands off as possible, to be honest. I, I try to. <laughs> I wouldn't want to yeah. be getting phone calls about light bulbs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they hey, run interference you, for you. I, I mean, I'm very hands off. I re- pretty much, they send me an email and I just say, yes, do it. Right. That's right. And again, the, the whole goal of kind of the, the Roofstock uh, business model, the Roofstock thesis is to separate investing from operations, right? So we can do uh, all the underwriting up front. We can do our inspections. We can do our valuations. We can run our analysis. We can project returns. That said, you know, unless you have a really, really good vetted certified operator on the ground, you know, the best intentions can go sideways. Mm. And that's where, you know, the property manager comes in. And that's why we take our vetting and our certification process of the property managers so seriously. Yeah. So uh, there, I'm sure there are a ton of property managers that have all of the uh, certifications, you know, they manage a bunch of properties. And, and I know that you guys don't just look at these surface numbers or accolades what sort of things do you ask them? Like, how, how do you vet them or most, almost like get them to sabotage themselves? You're like, ah, not them. Sure. So we actually, we have a, a pretty well-defined process. It's a five-step process. Um, the first, if we're looking to go into a market, um, we do our kind of our own reconnaissance, our own due diligence in terms of uh, do we have already certified property managers in other markets that cover that new market? Um, that's obviously, a, and, and have a proven track record. That's obviously a great way to do it. Referrals from the local real estate community, um, you know, given all of our Roofstock, uh, our team members' backgrounds, uh, we have a lot of connections from the institutional side of the world, so we can lean on those as well. Uh, national trade organizations, I mentioned NARPM earlier. Um, 
online reviews, the Better Business Bureau, uh, Fair Housing Laws uh, have some online uh, resources as well. Um, and once we kind of you know exhaust that, we we come to a point where we have anywhere from about eight to ten uh, property managers in any market. Then what we do is we schedule uh, step number two is we schedule a phone call uh, with each of these uh, property managers. We ask them a litany of questions, and I won't uh, get into too too much of the weeds here. <laughs> but um, you know how long you've been in business, um, what's your operational footprint, how many employees, what services do you provide. Um, imp importantly, what are your fees and what do they cover? Uh, things such as that. Uh, step three is we get uh, due diligence documents back from them. We want our legal team to review their property management agreements, their lease templates, uh, things such as that. Uh, step four is either myself or somebody on the team will go to the market, uh, conduct a market visit. We want to make sure that the, the joke we always use is we want to make sure it's not, you know, some random guy in his mom's basement running a property management company. <laughs> um, so we want to make sure they're real. We get a feel for their their operations and their services. And then step five is, uh, you know, we we have them execute our service level agreement and uh, they're onboarded. So it's, it's a very detailed, thorough process that we go through because, again, we want our property managers that we would recommend to any investor through RoofSock we would feel comfortable ourselves have, having them manage our homes as if, you know, uh, same thing with our investors. You know, I guess I feel that even though they're not roof stock, probably the, the closest feeling that I have for roof stock would be through my interaction through the property manager. Because if they're shitty, then I'm just going to have a shitty rental property experience and maybe not come back to you guys. So yeah, uh, definitely like awesome. You guys focus on that. Um, when it comes to costs for these guys, and I think this is like the contention where people are like, ah, it's like too much money. Why would you give away, I don't know, 10% or whatever? Uh, what do you think is reasonable in terms of maybe percentage and dollars? And like, what uh, is the average that is kind of found in roof stock? Sure. So it's a really good question. So you want to know what you're getting for your money. So, um, you know, I would start just at a high level. The way to think about it is, again, going back to the separating investing from operations. We can enable and we do enable investors to be able to to live in, you know, we're in the Bay Area and yeah, I own a home in Florida. So we're, we're enabling mm -hmm. folks to be able to break down those geographic barriers mm -hmm. and invest from anywhere in the U.S. or abroad. Um, however, when you think about operations, it's still a local business, right? So real estate is always going to have to have that local touch. And that's where, uh, you know, we don't pretend to think that, you know, us in the Bay Area can manage a home in, in Jacksonville or, or Atlanta more effectively yeah. than somebody on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so that number one, just having that local presence is, is worth, you know, some sort of money. Um, in terms of our fee structures that we negotiate with our property managers, um, the most important thing is that they are extremely transparent uh, with not only just kind of the base level fees, but every single charge that an investor pays to their property manager, we want to know what that is, right? We don't want anything right. that's, even if it's $5 a month, we, we want to know why are, is our investor paying $5 a month uh, for, uh, you know, some random fee. Twizzlers fee. So Yeah, right. So <laughs> Gotta so, have it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Andrew, to your point, so on a percentage basis, uh, you know, property managers typically it, it varies by market. 
Um, but typically it ranges between six and 10% mm -hmm. um, of gross collected rent. And that's an important uh, distinguisher. Um, if they don't collect rent, they don't get paid. Um, so that's an incentive for them. Um, there are typically leasing fees, uh, renewal fees, and then any sort of uh, um, construction fees as well. Um, what we do at Roofstock is we're able to kind of collectively uh, with our broad base of, of buyers and suppliers, we're able to negotiate down those fees um, typically fairly considerably, not in every market, but um, you know, more often than not, we're able to get them below market uh, for our investors. So what does fairly considerably mean? Does that mean like from 10 <laughs> to nine? from 10 to 3%? Like, I mean, like, so, yeah. Sure. What, what's uh, the roof it, stock bump? Uh, yeah, no, no, I get, it varies by market again, but w if we are, if we see a fee ab above eight, that's probably not good for us. Mm, so okay. eight, eight and below is probably about right for where we want to be uh, for our investors. That's good, because, I mean, we usually estimate that it's going to be 10, right, Andrew? Yeah. On average. Um, so when you say that some markets are more, are easier to negotiate than others, would it be a case where it's easier in a market, like a bigger market where there's a lot more potential property managers, or is it easier in a smaller market where it's just more casual, less big city kind of thing? Yeah, no, it, it, it really depends on kind of the folks that are already uh, there and established. Um, mm -hmm. In certain markets, there is one dominant or two dominant players um, that kind of control the market and can set their fees accordingly um in a in a market such as atlanta uh where you know there it's such a diverse broad uh you know metropolis we are able to kind of you know pick and choose where we want to be and, and the folks that we want to partner with um, mm -hmm. but i would say more generally to your question you know when roofstock is able to come into a market uh we come in you know we're not going to show up on their doorstep with hundreds of homes day one but they understand that, look, this is a very intriguing business model and most, most are, are willing to, um, you know, work with us and kind of, uh, you know, offer that discount to the folks that do come to them via uh, the site. How do you guys have a bigger potential to bring in lots and lots of properties over time? So it kind of makes that's sense. Right. That's right. So how do you negotiate that? Do you say like, well, in blah, blah, blah market, we generally send this many people a month or something and you just show them like clear potential growth? Sure. Yeah, it's potential growth. It's also, um, you know, we as I say, we as in Roofstock, we also bring stuff to the table as well. So we arm our property managers with a bunch of tools as well that can differentiate differentiate themselves from other competitors in the market. For example, uh, we offer a, la a layer of analytics on top of what they are sending to the investors. So we are, you know, if a pipe bursts in Atlanta in your home, you know, uh, not a good thing, but we can, we, we know what that number is, uh, you know, what that cost is to fix that pipe. So mm -hmm. if, if a property manager comes back to an investor and, you know, Andrew, let's say, a, you know, Again, heaven forbid, a, a pipe burst in your home and, and a property manager says it's going to be $500, you call us and we say, well, no, the average cost for a pipe burst in Atlanta is $250. You can go back to them and arm yourself with that data. So that's one That's mm. one thing. Uh, another thing is, you know, we're, we're just rolling out a, a mobile app uh, as well that we are partnering, we're partnering with uh, certified property managers in each, in each market that directly feeds from their data software 
into the app on your phone so that you can have your coffee in the morning and see how your home's doing real time. Interesting. Okay, so so I have a few questions in there. Um, <laughs> one, like, uh, I think I'm like fairly trusting with these with these people, property managers, and I want to enable them as much as possible. But sometimes I can't help but feel where if, if I owned the property across the street and I saw a tree fell in the yard, I could look with my eyes like, ah, tree fell in the yard, totally buy it, definitely need to get that out of the way. But when mm-hmm. I get an email from them, they're like, tree fell in the yard, my, my first like gut feeling is like, are they trying to fuck me? And I guess... Uh, I, I'm not even sure what the question is. I want maybe could you just like comment on that? Like, am I just ridiculous and irrational? <laughs> uh, no, you're not ridiculous or irrational. It's your property, and and you want to know exactly what's going on with it. And that's again one of the things that we pride ourselves on is is that transparency. So number one, you should expect uh, pictures mm-hmm. of what happened, so you can see even if you're not living in that market, so you can see exactly what uh, you know using your example what the tree fall looks like. Uh, number two, the quote uh, from whatever company they're using, um, you can see hopefully it's you know itemized. And number three, if you want to say, look, this seems really high, contact Roofstock, and and we will let you know. Look, a, a tree cleanup, uh, you know, in this in, historically is two hundred bucks or whatever the number is, and they want to charge you four hundred. Well, that seems a little high, okay. and then. Yeah, and, so and what then, do you guys do to get your data? Uh, we get our data directly from the property managers. So okay, um, so you have like an aggregate pool of property managers, and every single time a tree falls in a yard, they'll report what the repair cost was, so you can kind of get an average. That's right. Okay. So uh, two things, and, and I think like as you go there, it's like spawning a lot because I think this is like the biggest interaction with the property managers, like yeah. when there's an issue. Um. So one, I didn't know that I could like escalate to you guys because then I think I probably would just even for my own self, like feeling better. Um, so, so you are literally encouraging us to CC anybody from Roofstock and you guys will, or is there a, a special address that I could send it to? Like, I don't know, property managers at Roofstock or like, I don't know. Sure. So, so two things. So number one, uh, yes, of course, if there is an issue with any property manager that we have certified and you are using and contracting with, uh, we want to be alerted about that because, uh, we, you know, I don't want to say we, we keep grades on these property managers, but we do monitor their performance. Uh, we do quarterly reviews with them. We want to make sure that they're providing exemplary service. They're, they're less um, likely to play with you than they would a individual like me. Right. Mm-hmm. It, well, the, and that's part of the benefit of, of kind of this collective community uh, when you buy through Roofstock. But number two, uh, you are uh, contracting directly with the property manager. So that is you guys have your agreement. Uh, it's a, you, typically an annual agreement. Um, uh, so they are responsible to be uh, responsive to the homeowner. And, and that is by far and away the most important thing uh, that we look for in terms of our property manager partners is is their level of customer service, their level of, of responsiveness. So we encourage you to deal directly with them. However, Roofstock is always there as a backstop should something yeah. go sideways. Okay, so if I was to just CC you guys or forward it to you because I wanted it to be vetted, like where, what do I send it to? Is it like 
and, sure. and Andy at Rusock.com? No, no. <laughs> well, sure, if you want to, but uh, I, I can handle it for you. But um, uh, there, there's it's customer service at Rusock.com. And so you guys uh, like, literally expect us to do this or at least get some. If, if look again, we we encourage our investors to work with our property management partners. We feel and and believe that we've done enough on the front end to vet our property management partners fully. Mm-hmm. However, should something again, should there be a dispute or, or should something, um, uh, you know, should there be any sort of disagreement? We are happy to step in. So we're always there as a backstop. To to that point, I guess I see them certainly as a long-term partner on my property. And I'm, I'm very conscious in how I respond with them because I don't want to, you know, inadvertently piss them off and then they really don't give a shit about me, you know. Um, but to that end, like, if I escalate to you guys, is that bad form? Or, or are there maybe certain guidelines you'd recommend we us follow in general just working with property managers? No, I mean, I look... Keep in mind that so the property manager has really two audiences that they are, are are beholden to, right? So number one, first and foremost, is the property owner, of course, because you are the ones that are paying them to provide a service, right? But also keep in mind that they do have another audience that's with the tenant um, that they also have to provide good good customer service to as well, um, and that's a really important dichotomy, you know, when you think about it. If they are non-responsive to either party, uh, if you look at the owner side, you know you become nervous about a tree falling in your yard, or is my home out of disrepair, or I haven't gotten my rent, or or whatever it is. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, please escalate that to roof stock. Um, but on the other side, if they're also non-responsive to a tenant, let's say the the tenant has a a backed up sink or or a backed up drain or something, and the issues start piling up then that tenant could become, uh, you know, quote unquote, a bad tenant and, and withhold payment or not take care of the home or whatever. So when you think about kind of the biggest concern or the biggest uh, uh, risk with a property manager is that issue of being non-responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and, again, and again, that goes both ways, right? So they're kind yeah. of in the middle between the property owner and the property tenant. Yeah. I remember like in my last living arrangement, we had two property managers and the first one became really unresponsive after a while. And it was really frustrating. I was like, how do I get something fixed? So that's a huge issue. And we've actually, we've actually, we've actually certified a property manager and we got, um, I think it was four or five complaints from three were from owners and two were from tenants. Uh, that the property manager was being unresponsive, Roofstock stepped in and we severed our ties with that property management group. Um, yeah. uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, that was uh, our fault. We we bit the bullet. We made our investors whole, um, you know, and we're willing to do that. It, it It's something that unfortunately happens in this business, but we are yeah. confident that with our uh, kind of the guardrails that we put around our certification process, that that is few and far between that something mm-hmm. like that happen. How did you make your investors whole? <clears throat> Uh, so, for example, one, um, uh, you know, a, a tenant stopped paying because the property manager wasn't fixing the issues with the house. Mm-hmm. So we were able to reimburse uh, that owner for the for the lost rent. That is gotcha. awesome. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's again, that's that's not a normal course of business. But right. look, if, yeah. something, if something goes wrong, if 
we want a, a Roofstock certified property manager, we want that certification to mean something, right? Mm -hmm. When we say, look, we are confident that this property manager will manage your home as if it was your own or their own, excuse me, that means something. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. you know, again, it that's the exception to the rule, but if, if it happens, you know, Roofstock is there uh, again as a backstop. I mean, mm -hmm. ideally you don't want to hear from anybody but if you do, you're like slightly irritated and you make sure that it's it's right. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So the tenants actually contacted you guys to deal with this problem? No, it was it was the owner. So okay, our, gotcha. Yeah, it was it was the owner. Um, they realized that they had an issue. Um, they hadn't received their rent for a couple months. Um, the the property manager in question was not being responsive. Roofstock stepped in. We fixed the situation, and everybody's happy now. Um, but okay. you know, unfortunately that was, uh, you know, kind of growing pains and, and a learning lesson for everybody involved. And yeah. since then we've rolled out a much, uh, you know, a much more detailed and focused certification process to hopefully avoid that in the future. So okay. if you, if you take that scenario where the property manager company didn't work out, um, and my friend actually had one, not the Roostock, similar situation, he needed to migrate i think that'd be like my single biggest fear because i'm not there i don't know they're like keys to the property and just all these like details that i feel like i'd have to be physically present for so i guess my question is how do you migrate from one property manager to another and like what do you need to be concerned with Sure. So again, it, it's few and far between that we've ever had somebody want to leave one of our certified property managers. Mm -hmm. um, just want to emphasize that it's it's a very rare instance. But if that does happen within our service level agreements with our property managers, there is a termination clause that allows the owner with uh, I think it's about 30 days written notice uh, to leave that property manager uh, without a financial penalty. And then what we would do, we as in Roofstock would do, is again, that's a reason why we have at least two certified property managers in each market. We don't have a financial uh, stake or a financial uh, a benefit from any of these relationships between the property managers and the investors. All we do is we wanna make sure that the property manager is uh, certified, is um, uh, you know legit, is on the up and up, so if one experience goes sideways, we can quickly pivot from that one property manager to the other certified property manager in that market. And in many markets, there's more than two as well. I, mm -hmm. I actually, I, I, I personally inside felt certain that you guys must be making some money from these property managers. So you literally do all this vetting, link us up with people just because it, it's better for your brand overall. We have no financial stake or monetary stake with any relationship with the property managers. I, I'm actually uh, shocked, honestly. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Uh, you know, we want to be a marketplace. Uh, we we charge a small fee for the transactions, um, and that's really it. That's not to say down the line there might be some some sort of arrangement that we could work out if we offer a premium service or something mm -hmm. like that. But as of right now, it's not contemplated, and it's certainly not in place. Yeah. In of any sort of financial uh, motivation between our relationship with the property managers. Well, Andy, let's so touch on that for a second, actually, because yeah. I think we talked with Gary back in what November of last year, September. Or something, so we've got yeah. 
we've got a lot of people coming in who have not listened to that original episode, don't really know exactly what Roofstock does. So you guys are a marketplace. Um, and let me correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you kind of get your homes from bigger companies that have like a portfolio of a lot of different homes. And then you basically create a platform to give individual investors all the tools they need to invest in single homes with all that data. But who's actually paying your fees? Is it, is it the providers of those homes or is it the investor that actually buys a property off of Roofstock? Sure. That's a great question. So, so Roofstock, um, is it's a curated marketplace for um, buyers and sellers of single family rental homes. Um, what we found in, in my background, along with Gary, actually worked with Gary uh, back at a large institutional firm where we acquired, renovated and managed uh, by the end of our time, there are about 35,000 homes nationwide. What we found is that there wasn't an easy way to sell leased, uh, occupied, performing single family homes uh, without letting that lease roll and selling a vacant home to an end user, to a homeowner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the genesis of, of Gary and, and his co-founders uh, behind Roofstock. Um, and so when you think about the single family rental industry, it's, it's a really large industry, but it's very fragmented. And so what we wanted to do was provide kind of a clearinghouse uh, for these leased single family homes. Uh, primarily, to your point, primarily was... Uh, we get a lot of our supply from the larger institutions that are looking to reposition their portfolios or reallocate capital. Um, so again, these are performing homes with a tenant in place. Um, we take a, a small a below market uh, fee where we represent, we're, we're licensed in every state, we represent the seller on the transaction. There's a, a very small, uh, less than a half or less than 1% uh, marketplace fee from the buyer um, okay. that we take, and and that is where we generate our revenue. Uh, gotcha. On the back end, we have no monetary um, gain from any sort of uh, property management uh, or any other uh, aspects there. Okay, but so there is a fee that you take from both buyer and seller, and that's kind of the business model there. That's right. Yeah, and and it's actually it's. Typically, depending on the market, it's less than half of what a typical real estate transaction uh, would normally cost in terms of fees. Okay. And Andrew, were you telling me that the the typical fee is what, like 2% or maybe 1.5 for buyer and then seller as well or something like that? When you, At least when you sold uh, your place? I want to say that it was, th- I mean, it's, it's a traditional home or it's not like rental properties. Yeah. I want to say it was... I forget, but it was like closer to six, like end to end. Oh wow! Does that does okay. that sound right, Andy? Yeah. So so typically, when you when you are looking at just the commission side, so the seller typically pays both sides of a commission, and typically it's three percent on each side. So, Andrew, to your point, it's three percent, three percent. Then on top of that, there are additional closing costs. Um, so you're looking at you know eight nine percent in terms of your overall transaction costs. What Roofstock does is we get that uh, right around uh, on the commission side, we we lower it to two and a half percent to the seller, uh, half a percent to the buyer. And then uh, there is some additional uh, ancillary closing costs on top of that. But it's still but well you don't below get that. that. No. Uh, well, we get not the closing costs. We we right. do get the the commission side. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So so essentially you guys are get are getting three as opposed to six. Correct. Mm. So I'm, uh, 
Oh man, I just like brain farted and forgot my question for a second. <laughs> oh, that, that's what it is. So if I'm a property investor and say I'm not going through rooftop to say I've, I've got a house that I own, I've got a property manager that's working for me and they suck. What is the process for tactfully finding and transitioning to a new person without, I don't know, losing a ton of money or <laughs> like having the world explode on you? Yeah. Sure. So, uh, you know, when you are dealing with a property manager, you typically sign yearly agreements. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the easiest way or the most, you know, to use your words, uh, the, the most tactful way would be to let that agreement expire. And then at the end of that agreement, you would find a new property manager. Um, okay. When you go through Roofstock, we have written into our service level agreements with the property managers that if something should go sideways. And again, I just want to emphasize that this is the exception, not the rule. It's very yeah. rare that something like this might happen. But if it does, we have that kind of out for our investors that allows you within 30 days of written notice to pull your property from that property manager. And then you can work with Roofstock to find another certified property manager in the market where your home is located. But like what happens in that process? Like does just one property manager drive up to the other one, take the keys, drive away, that's it? Like, I mean, cause I, there's a tenant and a contract and you know, I imagine the, the property management company you're leaving from is not super happy that you're not paying them anymore. And how do they not sabotage things? Well, so to prevent any sabotage, so the, the <laughs> lease in place with the tenant uh, has to be honored regardless of, mm. of who is managing the home, right? So right. let's just be clear that the tenant, uh, you know, the family in that home is is safe. They're, it doesn't matter who's managing their home. They are obligated and, and legally okay to stay there. When you move to a different property manager, and again, this is very rare, but when you move to a new property manager, what you would typically do is you would uh, either collect the keys from that property manager, that's the easiest way, or if, you know, Andrew, to your point, if uh, they are uncooperative or, or should something, you know, go really wrong, you could rekey the home and, and just give a new key set of keys to the tenant and also to the new property manager. But the if lease, you... keep in mind, but the lease keep carries from regardless of who is is managing the home, that lease is still binding and, and is still in place. And I just want to maybe reiterate that it's not like from uh no like getting a bunch of emails and everyone's getting like screwed by property managers but i think yeah. like uh a lot of the reason why people don't get into rental properties is because of these million no's or like yeah. unsure areas um and yeah. i, I maybe with any investment like you do your due diligence yeah you know and you want to figure out how to mitigate any potential risks yeah, no, you're, you're, you're talking about the worst case scenario and that's, I mean, nobody plans on that, but you need to, you know, quote unquote budget for that. Right. So right. you need to be aware of the worst case scenario, even if it's very, very unlikely, which is the case, um, you know, in the instances that we're talking about. Andy, um, I, I mean, I like you, I like Zach, I, you guys have been great to, to Laura and I, um, and you know, and hearing the story about you making the investors whole based on this scenario, um, and, and also being a, a business guy, I, I can't imagine that through the pure kindness of your hearts, you just want to like, um, not let any of your investors lose money. So 
uh, is is it just uh, for like brand equity and the potential of an investor coming back? Like, why why do you guys allow yourselves to be in the process still? Sure. Um, so there's there's a few answers to that. So number one, um, to your point about brand equity, we want to create a community. We want to create a marketplace. We want folks. If they are buying, we want them to think about RoofSock. If they are selling, we want them to think about RoofSock. Uh, if they are just managing their portfolio, uh, we want them to think about RoofSock. Uh, we provide services, uh, you know, end to end. So that is certainly part of it. Um, but to your point, uh, you know, we aren't, you know, we aren't first, you know, first cross or, or you know, or, or Red Cross or, or whatever it is, right? We're not. Um, just going to give out dollars if something, you know, if a, if a tenant skips, it's not necessarily something that where we would step in. But in that particular, you know, isolated case where we felt that we told our investor that this property manager was certified, was good to go, and we would let them manage our own property, that turned out not to be the case. So in, in an instant like that, uh, if something goes sideways, we're certainly willing to step in and provide a backstop. Um, but to your to the broader point, again, we we are creating a community, we're creating a marketplace, and we want to make sure that um, you know if folks are buying and selling investment properties, single family rental homes, we want them thinking about rootstock. Cool. And so, just to be clear, you guys typically don't work with any single property manager, like single member property management companies, right? No, I look, we, we don't we don't discriminate if they are a smaller group versus a larger group. We mm -hmm. tend to skew more towards the inst institutional folks. Um, gotcha. Just in number one, that's our background. But number two, more importantly, these are people that have um, very stringent systems, processes, mm -hmm. uh, uh, controls in place. They have uh, a broad geographic footprint. So if we are going from Florida to Atlanta, Maybe the group can cover both, um, mm. things like that. Um, they have robust uh, data capabilities and reporting capabilities, so things like that. Um, that's just where, uh, you know, typically we would look to first. Um, yeah. But if it's a, a smaller group that, you know, might manage, you know, 50 homes as opposed to 5,000, uh, we wouldn't turn our backs on them. It's just not yeah. where we would look first. Okay, cool. So... I'm I'm like still I would say new to this whole rental property thing. I'm maybe like six, eight months in, something like that. And uh, I'm also new to home ownership in that I live in like an apartment building, so I don't have gutters and like random house things that I really didn't even think about. Um, mm -hmm. And so, for example, one of my properties, the gutters were filled with like, I don't know, the entire woods were like in there and they need to be clean. <laughs> but I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, you know, and then I get contacted when there's an issue. And so my, I guess my question is what sort of things do I need to set in place with my property manager where I don't want to clean the gutters when they've fallen off the building. I want them to every blah time that is appropriate for the area do this, or I don't know, clean the HVAC or whatever, whatever the things are like. I don't even know all the things. So how do you maybe, <laughs> how do you know all the things and how do you get them to do it? <laughs> sure. So I, number one, that's, I, again, that's really, 
uh, goes back to the point of why we work with local market experts and, and, and market leaders. Um, because a home in Miami is going to need different maintenance than a home in Indianapolis, mm. right? It's just, it's a different market. It's a different uh, climate. It's a different geography. Um, what most of our property managers do is provide at least uh, semi-annual. So two times a year, they will perform an inspection um, and they will go out and visit the home and let the owner know, look, uh, you know, your roof has five years of useful life left or your HVAC, um, you know, you need more uh, Freon or, or whatever it is, right? Or to your point, your, your gutters need cleaning. Um, they will contact you directly as the property owner and say, here's our recommendation. And you can say yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes. In terms of what you want done, they'll provide you a quote um, and, and you can proceed as you see fit. Um, so that's, it's a really uh, another benefit from using one of our certified property managers. So I, I don't think I've owned anyone from Roofstock for six months, or maybe it's like just hitting six months, but, uh, how might you initiate this process? Like, uh, I, I don't know, like, are you going to do an inspection yet? Like I, I, what would be the appropriate way to handle it? Sure. So I would reach out directly to your property manager and, and, and ask them, hey, you know, uh, I know it's summer now, but, you know, maybe in advance of winter, is there anything we need to do to uh, prepare for the upcoming winter? Uh, again, I, Andrew, I believe your homes are in Atlanta, so it's probably not as important. But, um, you know, if your home is, uh, you know, in, in, again, Indianapolis or Chicago or something like that, you might need to winterize your, your pipes or, or, yeah. or stuff like that. So you could be in front of that. Um, what we would prefer and what we ask our property managers is to the opposite, where they are proactive in terms of reaching out to you as the property owner. Um, yeah. But if something comes across uh, your mind, they should be responsive. Again, that is the, the most important aspect of property management is being responsive again to both of those audiences both the owner and the tenant so yeah one I, thing i was uh, i was gonna say one thing i was wondering about is like do any of these property management companies do any sort of like regular maintenance checks on their properties or anything like that because i know with the house i was in they didn't do any of that and i had to you know i, I came from an apartment so i didn't know a lot of things like oh you got to change your air filter every six months in your air conditioning unit or you know all these things uh, or you gotta, you know, you gotta buy water softener salt and stuff like that. They never really told us that. So had I not been the proactive kind of person who goes and Googles what do in a house, um, I could have been a tenant that's just like letting the property slowly deteriorate and increasing the risk of some big expensive thing. Yeah. And, and one of the ways around that, and it's a really good point. One of the ways around that or, or to plan for that is for every, tenant that moves into a home uh, with one of our certified property managers, they receive a welcome guide that mm -hmm. says, hey, look, uh, you know, these are the things they need to do for routine maintenance. Uh, they provide a manual kind of for the easy fixes in terms of, you know, this is where the circuit breaker is. Um, yeah. You know, should your garbage disposal get backed up? This is how you fix something like that. You know, minor fixes that might not require them to come out and then cost the owner money. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's stuff like that that's in place, but it's all about that, that responsiveness. And, and again, to, to your point, being proactive rather mm -hmm. than reactive. That's a perfect example. Like giving, giving every new tenant a welcome guide could go a long way. Like I've never had 
I, I mean, I guess I've always lived in apartments except for one house. But with that house, like we got nothing of the sort. It was basically like we assume that you are just as intelligent as a seasoned homeowner. <laughs> and no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very well, luckily, my mom was able to tell me things. But, you know, they could have had expensive repairs in their hands had we not known to keep up on certain maintenance. Yeah, it's one of the nuances between kind of single family rentals versus an apartment community, right? So mm -hmm. when you're living in an apartment community, say it's 300 units in one location, you have an on-site maintenance person right there that you can just call and say, hey, my my lights are out or my power is off or whatever, right? But yeah. when you're in a single family home, it's a little more geographically dispersed, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, they don't want to have to drive out there for small stuff. And right. then also... Uh, you know, the renter in that unit also wants to be able to handle this stuff themselves if it's a small item. Um, and so that welcome guide, that kind of FAQ goes a long way. And I mean, a lot of it isn't centralized. Like in an apartment building, there is no boiler in my unit. There is no AC unit. Like it's all in a locked closet. There are systems in place for people who know what to do to go check on that. But in a single family home environment, it's kind of all up to the tenant unless the property management company has processes in place That's to right. go through and either educate or or inspect things on their own. That's so right. I would love to see, like if I was going to invest in a property, I would want to be able to work with a company that is going to at least at least educate the tenant, if not go and make sure things are being up, kept up. Yeah. Yep. If you were to give out like a property manager of the year award, like do you have like a, <laughs> a story that someone did that was just like amazing? Uh, yes. Uh, so we had a, a, an issue with one of our homes um, in Atlanta and there was actually, it was the middle of the night and a raccoon had somehow gotten in the chimney oh. and the tenant <laughs> there uh, clearly was, you know, concerned and uh, didn't know how to get this raccoon out of the chimney. They didn't, you know, want to uh, shoot a BB gun or something like that at him or, or hit him with a broomstick. So God bless him. Our, our property manager who was managing the home sent out his R&M team in the middle of the night to go out there with a, a very, uh, you know, safe and, and humane raccoon trap and got them out of the chimney at I believe it was like three or four in the morning out of a home in Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> so if, if, if you think uh, if you think you want to uh, try to self-manage a home, uh, you know, there are certainly uh, uh, kind of nightmare stories like that there. You might not want to be uh, woken up in the middle of the night to deal with a raccoon in a chimney. <laughs> yeah. This just reminded me of a video I saw once. Where it's like security camera footage of this raccoon, like attacking this dude's dog. Right. On his porch, and he runs out the door, and he throws the raccoon down the stairs, yeah. and just like does ten backflips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, again, it, it goes back to what you know, what makes uh, a great property manager, and it, it's really, it's, it's two main things. It's, it's responsiveness and, and transparency. Yeah. You know, we, we want them to, uh, you know, if they are going to charge our owner something, we want to know what. What, what is our owner paying that property manager that money for? Mm -hmm. What does that cover? And then also, if a raccoon calls in, crawls in a chimney at, at four in the morning, you know, we want you to be responsive, even though you might, you know, might be the middle of the night. Um, there are issues, things like that happen. But, um, you know, a really great property manager will find ways to handle it.
Awesome. So you guys hear it, heard it here. If you want to get on the path to becoming a great property manager, <laughs> be willing to fight raccoons at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Otherwise, get out. <laughs> cool. Well, Andrew, do you think we covered it pretty well here? I think we did. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning, although you probably heard it at the beginning of the episode, uh, when Rusak first came on, um, and Gary like blew our minds and, and showed us the light. Uh, they offered every listener um, a waiving of, of the marketplace fee, which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but typically runs about five hundred dollars. That's right. It's it's uh, half a percent of the sale price. So if you figure, um, you know, the average sale price is right around one hundred and twenty, hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Uh, you can do the math. It's probably a little bit more than 500, but about about right. Yeah. So if you go and sign up and I guess it's uh, from when you're listening to this episode through the end of July, you won't pay that, which will increase your return on your investment. That's yeah, pretty, it's pretty awesome. big discount. Yeah. Do we have a link for that? Um, Just yeah. So th- there's a link in the show notes uh, when you go to Roofstock and sign up. Um, it looks, it's like, how did you find out about us? If you just like listen, money matters, that's the save 500 plus dollars option. All the other ones are just terrible options to choose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other ones actually cost you 10,000 extra dollars. So. <laughs> 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 no, but <laughs> anyway, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know people who are wanting to get into this, like property management's one of the big, question marks and sources of anxiety, especially if, as a tenant in the past, they've dealt with maybe property managers that haven't been as responsive. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing so much to make sure that your managers do a great job. And uh, yeah, if you guys are interested, if you're getting into this this property, man, or not property, uh, rental property game like Andrew has, then we'll have that link up in the show notes. And uh, you can also find our property management uh, evaluation tool at pro.listenmoneymatters.com. And the rest of our resources that we like over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Also anything else? You look like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to listenmoneymatters slash real dash estate, um I, yeah, yes, real dash estate, hyphen estate. Uh you'll be able to find like all of our stuff, like Andy's episode mm-hmm. or episode with Gary. We did like a whole month in September of twenty sixteen yeah. on this. So, you know, if you wanna catch up and learn more. Uh, hear the story of like how I got my places, go there. Yeah, if you're looking to get into this uh, this type of investment, that series we did, it was like a whole month's worth of rental property advice. Like that's something to definitely dig into. It's cool. I think we've covered it all. Did my whole outro spiel. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Andy, thanks once again for coming on the show. And we will see you all in the next episode. Later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.